So Luke 22, 14 to 20 contains one account of, of Christ instituting the Lord's Supper, which is a meal that God gave to his church to celebrate together as a, a means to feed his people spiritually. Since Jesus gave this meal uh, to us and the scripture urges us to celebrate it, then clearly it's something important for us to do. But in the wake of the coronavirus pandemic, we have had to cease gathering in worship for an extended period of time. And we and other churches have needed to, to develop new means to provide spiritually for you. We at LCPC have done our best to maintain a congregational life and provide spiritual nourishment while abiding by the government's policies for lockdown by using technology as, as a means to keep in touch and, and distribute various uh, items for encouragement. One of the issues that has developed for many congregations in this time in light of the switch to online means has been discussion about taking the Lord's Supper even though we are not gathered together. As far as I know, this has not been a practice that any free church congregation has adopted. We at LCPC have tried to be clear that even though we want to provide ways to nourish you spiritually and help you keep the Lord's Day the best we can, we are not really having corporate worship the way that we are called to do as God's people. I, I believe, uh, and Reverend Pearson agrees, that unless our civil authorities ask us to do something godless or single out the church in hostile uh, discrimination, then the scripture, especially Romans 13, calls us to submit to their governance as those whom God appointed for our good. As difficult as it is, this seems to be a season in which we need to submit ourselves to endure aspects of God's hard providence and to be as faithful as we can be while balancing our biblical principles. The point that I hope to explain here is why we at LCPC will not be performing anything like so-called virtual communion. So I should, I should preface I mean, I really want to emphasize, actually, that I cherish the Lord's Supper. Really, I, I happily acknowledge that our shorter catechism lists word, sacraments, and prayer as the ordinary means whereby God effectually communicates the benefits of redemption to us. So I don't want to criticize a, a strong desire for the sufferer by, by calling it Roman Catholic or, or sacramentalist or ceremonialist or anything like that. Uh, I commend a strong desire to have the supper. But we see in scripture that the church's formal actions need to take place when we are assembled. So for example, Paul addressed the need for church discipline to be handled when the church is gathered under the name of Christ. He told about this in 1 Corinthians 5, verses 4 and 5. When you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus, and my spirit is present, with the power of our Lord Jesus, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. 
Yes, I realize that Matthew 18, 20 says that when two or three are gathered in the name of Christ, then he is present. But I think that that is more about how a small church is still a real church rather than about how your individual family constitutes a church in itself. And that then makes us think about our passage in Luke. So if you have that portion of scripture in front of you, Jesus repeatedly used the word this, which we use to point to something in our presence. So if I say this shirt, you know that I mean the one here with me. So when Jesus points to the, the first cup in verse 17, to the bread in verse 19, and to the second cup in verse 20, we know that this meant that the parts of the meal that were in his, their presence. So then, as, as we have that in mind, there are a few reasons why the meal that was in Jesus's presence, which he constituted as the Lord's Supper, cannot be transmitted across the internet bandwidth. So first, the, the supper is a churchly meal. Jesus instituted it with formal words. Those words have to be stated by an ordained man for the supper to be constituted. So then, people may eat bread and, and drink wine as, as they watch a, a video message, but that's not really the Lord's Supper, even if they decide to do that. Most homes do not have an ordained teaching elder present, but even the ones that do lack a full session of elders to preside at the table. The supper that we receive has to be this meal that has been blessed by the prayer of consecration and the words of institution. Now, that then brings me to the second reason. The Lord's Supper is a mechanism of church discipline in a negative and a positive sense. So that's one of the reasons why I appealed to the passage about church discipline. Now, let's think about the negative first. The minister is supposed to fence the table so that only true believers are permitted to take the supper. And the session is supposed to oversee the distribution of the supper to make sure that people who don't belong at God's table don't steal food from it. We have no ability to fulfill that negative aspect of church discipline if we try to transmit the institution of the supper to across the internet to bread and wine that you purchased on your own and set up in your house by your own volition. Anyone could participate then in our supposed celebration of the supper, which would undermine a serious dimension and, and purpose of the supper. But church discipline is not only negative, and I really want to, to emphasize part of the positive aspects. So the supper has to be celebrated together if it is to be the Lord's Supper. There are important aspects of that togetherness that mean it cannot be the figurative sense of being together virtually, which we are very glad to have for other things. 
So our shorter catechism, question 96, says that the Lord's Supper is a sacrament wherein by giving and receiving bread and wine according to Christ's appointment, his death is showed for. And the worthy receivers are not after a corporal or in carnal manner, but by faith made partakers of his body and blood with all his benefits to their spiritual nourishment and growth in grace. The Lord's Supper is a means of communicating grace to us. But one of the requirements for it to be the meal that is a means of grace is that the bread and wine have to be given and received. We, we can't do that if we aren't together. Bread and wine are not given by the ministers and, and elders, uh, nor actually received by the congregation if we are not assembled. So this emphasizes one of the reasons why we call it communion, because it's a fellowship, not just between Christ and the individual, but between all of the saints together as well. It is a reminder that we are all sinners equally in need of grace as we come to Christ's table together. Those are those that, so the things we've thought about so far are some of the reasons why we cannot do virtual communion. And by that, I don't mean that it's unwise or less than an ideal. I mean that there is no such thing. In addition to that, though, there are some reasons why we should not even try to do that. And the first is that I think we should not try to normalize our present situation. I think that we need to accept this as a really difficult time and that we are not able to function normally as a church. Certainly, God appointed word, sacrament, and prayer as his means of grace. We are supposed to be together under word and sacrament as the primary driver of our Christian life ordinarily. They are the ordinary means of grace, but this is not an ordinary time. Yes, really hear me. God will provide us with spiritual nourishment, but we should not try to force God's ordinary means into God's extraordinary providence. We need to bear together through this time the best that we can uh, in the ways that God will provide for us now. I really want you to have spiritual encouragement. Very much I do. I, I'm not trying to minimize that. I do not want anyone to feel strained or depleted spiritually during this time. It is why we are really seeing uh, videos on the Lord's Day and midweek videos on covenant theology. Um, but in one sense, a different sense, I don't want you to feel as though you have everything you want from church at the moment. I want us to feel a type of tension about this time when we are apart because, because I want you to long to be together in person 
with one another. So I want to be with you, and I long for that so that we can receive word and sacrament again like we are supposed to. And I hope the lack of normality that we may feel in that prompts you to pray vigorously for a return to what is normal or the closest we can get in days ahead. The second thing, we need to take an important point from the text of Luke's gospel at Christ's institution of the Lord's Supper. So look at verses 15 and 16. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. He repeated that point about how he won't eat it again, again in this passage. But what we see is that Jesus really wanted to eat this meal that he constituted as the Lord's Supper with the disciples. Christ wanted to eat it together with them. We can see that confirmed in verse 16, where he said that he would not eat the supper again until he could eat it with them in person when he returns to bring his kingdom to earth in fullness. We can take a really direct application from Christ's own disposition at the Lord's Supper. He committed not to eat that meal until he could eat it with his people in person when he comes back bodily to eat it with his church. That is a profound thing because he instituted this meal so that he could have ongoing spiritual communion with his people as he gives his body and blood to us spiritually when we as a church eat this meal. But he was not going to partake of that meal unless he could eat it while physically present with his people. We too should not eat this meal unless we can do so actually together. Right. I hope this has been useful and I hope that it's also been exciting to, to think theologically about details of eating the Lord's Supper in the face of modern challenges. But I know that there is a chance that this can feel a bit like we're just talking about what we can't do. But that last point that Christ waits to eat this meal until he can eat it with his people should be immensely encouraging to you. Christ still earnestly desires to eat the Lord's Supper with his people. If you are a Christian, that means that the Lord Jesus himself is eager to share a meal with you in person. Our Christ is not a distant Savior. But he is a Savior who who longs to be near to you. We share spiritual communion with him now. But he wants to be with you in person too.
Christ lived a perfectly righteous life. He died on the cross. And he rose from the grave, all in a human nature that includes a body, because he planned to redeem his people, soul and body. He will sit a table physically with you one day in his kingdom. Christians then are people who are used to waiting in anticipation because even the Lord's Supper is a pledge, a down payment for the wedding feast of the Lamb when we will all sit together with Christ in perfect in-person fellowship. That means that we can certainly be content waiting in anticipation to be together again. And that focused merely on what we should be feeling, but even as we sit in that eagerness to be together again, even so that we can have the supper together again, let us be reminded by that anticipation how eager we are to see our Savior return so that we can be together with him in every way for eternity. Let's pray. Father God, we are thankful for this passage that you've given us in Luke's gospel. We're thankful for your word and that it teaches us what we need to know for faith and practice. And so we are thankful not just for your word in itself here, but we're thankful that the practice we receive from your word of the Lord's Supper. We're thankful that you have appointed that meal as a means of grace. We are thankful that it is something that you use to build us up and communicate to us benefits of Christ. And Lord, we do feel the strain. We lament that we cannot have this meal together right now. And so we pray to you that you would change the course of your providence, that you would remove the effects of this virus. We give thanks for the places in the world like Milan, where the churches have been able to gather. Some places in America where small amounts of Christians have been able to meet and even take the supper. Lord, we pray that in our own place here in London, that in the near future, we don't know exactly what that means, but in the foreseeable future, would you grant to us that we could be together again? We know that that seems like a massive thing, but you are a massive God. Glorify yourself, magnify your name by showing your power in what you can do. You can overturn this virus, the state of world affairs. And we pray that you would do that for the sake of your people, that we may be together like we are supposed to be, that we can hear from your word the way that we are supposed to hear it, and that we can receive this meal together because that is how we should receive it. 
Lord, we do pray that this isn't just about practices of sacraments, but that we really do perceive the reality contained in those signs, even now, that we realize that as the supper is absent from us, Christ is physically absent from us, but spiritually with us. The reality is ours. No matter how often we can take the supper, the reality of Christ and his benefits are ours by faith. Help us to latch on to that and be infinitely, unendingly encouraged by it, built up, driven to pray that this season would end so that we can be together. But bless your people, encourage them by your word, and remind them of Christ, for whom we wait, and in whose name we pray. Amen.